Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text hope NY in New York. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission at us customs and border protection. We go beyond to protect more than borders from ship to shore, air to ground cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join us customs and border protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Ouch. Hello. Welcome into, unfortunately, the last edition of our Wolverine.com postgame show and, uh, and, and live stream uh, after a 51-45 to 45 loss to TCU in uh, the college football playoff. Another playoff loss, another postseason loss uh, for Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. That's now six in a row. They've lost uh, – in the month of December or January under Jim Harbaugh. Uh, you were a touchdown favorite coming into this game. There's so much. This this game was at times a comedy of errors. It was at times some of the most entertaining football we've seen in any game this year. And uh, we are, of course, joined as always by former Michigan defensive lineman Ryan Van Bergen. And Ryan, um, this is the quickest we've gone live after one of these this year. So uh, the quickest we've had a chance to get a snap takeaway out of you. I mean, how do you even put this one into words? It's just rough when you know you beat yourself. Any game is rough when you know you beat yourself, but especially one of this magnitude at at this level in the way the season had gone to this point uh, to have the performance that Michigan did. Michigan played probably its worst game 
uh, outside of the Illinois game on, on in all facets. And TCU played, I think, their be- one of their best games. And uh, even with that being the case, we were still around in the second half. To be honest, I don't think we deserved to be around in the second half the way that we were playing the game. And uh, I'm disappointed for the team, and uh, I – I feel for those guys, but at the end of the day, you've got to bring your A game to bowl prep and whatever we did to get ready for this game, we need to look at, I mean, anything, all of our bowl prep, it's a different type of game to prepare for. And you can't ignore the fact that we're and six in, in our uh, bowl games. So something needs to change in regards to preparation. This team did not look ready to play like TCU looked ready to play. I think the thing that bothers me the most, and this is where we'll start on the offensive side of the ball, is that you have thought yourself the entire game. Uh, Right off the bat, there was the Philly special when they went for it uh, early in the game that was just, it was going nowhere. There was the, again, I know the Roman Wilson call was BS. That was a touchdown. He didn't have uh, possession of the football until he crossed the goal line and rolled himself over. The fact of the matter is from there, you're on the half yard line and you're going to have four chances to punch it in. You have to hold on to the football. Um, The pick six has killed them. The shotgun blast to the foot killed them. Uh, The coaching, the time management, the play calling was horrible. It was. Uh, It was a miracle that, again, shout out to, I mean, the crazy thing about it is somehow, some way, the defense did what it, it was almost like the Ohio State game in the first half where just made enough plays to where you could go in the locker room at halftime. You're down 21 to six. And just just to salvage something. And once the offense got rolling in the second half, the defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. And that was the danger of the TCU offense, is that they were balanced. Uh, Max Duggan is a gamer. If you bring pressure, he's a guy that's been throwing out of pressure and making clutch plays all year long. It uh, This team didn't come ready to play. And college football playoff or not, uh, they haven't won a postseason game under Jim Harbaugh since 2015 uh i don't i'm sure someone out there will opine about oh well you know that those couple weeks you know michigan's student athletes have tougher academics than the other schools and make whatever kind of excuse the fact of the matter is it predates it predates harbaugh um but it's also been up you know six in a row hurts and even without looking to the teams of the past how often i mean we think that this michigan program has staying power but how often are you going to be a seven and a half, eight point favorite in a college football semifinal? Give TCU all the credit in the world. Michigan, Michigan is a better football team, but they did not come to play today in this game. And, you know, credit to them for fighting. But anytime that there was a moment where they could claw back, where you got the game to within three points and you just needed to stop, your defense gives up a touchdown. When you, your defense finally gets a stop late in that game, you go three and out. Um, just a not enough plays made. I know there was some rough officiating, but uh, we'll go to this one here from Matt McLean, a 499 super chat. He says, this one hurts. No moral victories, no next year. Everything was in front of you to play for a title and they choked time and time again. So Ryan, I guess taking that with everything that I just said, how are you? What else comes to mind about this one? Just that no one played well. Uh, There was no shining star for the Michigan team. Offensively, defensively, we, we're waiting for someone to kind of make a momentum shifting play. And I think JJ did as much as he could. He had some errant throws that turned into points the other way. Anytime you have two pick sixes in a game, the statistical odds of you winning that game are 
slim to none. And uh, I thought our offensive line did a horrible job keeping him protected with just three and four man rushes. I thought our receivers were probably the highlight of our team, which we didn't say that through 13 games of the season. Uh, I don't think Donovan Edward looked special today, and I was predicting him to have a really big game. Defensively, we didn't tackle well. We got no pressure on the quarterback. Jesse Minter, I think, got a little frustrated that Dugan was having so much time and decides to call blitzes, and the blitz was like a gift-wrapped, here's a first down or maybe even six points, and we kept bringing safeties down to help in the pass rush. So you can't be mad that you lost the game if you're Michigan. Not one element of your team played well enough to win. The fact that it was a six-point loss is an absolute shock. We deserve to lose this game 51-30. to yeah, the, the the pick sixes, the fumbles, the um, the not the the inability to get off the field. It's just this is one again. I mean, it it's just so fresh, and, and there's so much more. There's so much hurt and, and so much missed opportunity to kind of to sift through and digest. But this is um, th- this one's going to be tough to swallow for a long time because it was right there. I mean. Let's call a spade a spade. I mean, this year in college football, Michigan was elite, but this was a down year. And it felt like this was a chance for you to do something you haven't done in 25 years. And the fact that if they had just gotten outplayed by TCU, that would be one thing. They didn't come. Michigan was not adequately prepared. Its coaching staff didn't put them in enough spots to win this game. And here we are doing a sad postgame show on New Year's Eve for the second year in a row. Uh, 1999 super chat from Jeremy who says, let's get it out of the way. We didn't play well, but Wilson wasn't short. That was targeting looking forward to the league's apology. Also, if we let our QB throw more this year earlier, he wouldn't have thrown those picks. I don't know about that. Let's talk about JJ McCarthy's play in this game. Uh, he at times was the most brilliant football we've seen out of him. Uh, he was 20 for 34, 343 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, he had 10 rushes for 52 yards and the touchdown, you know, I don't know why it took them until the third quarter or midway through the third quarter of the last game of the year to realize, Hey, you know what? This guy can be as much of a weapon in the QB run game as TCU has and Max Duggan. Um, JJ is that special of an athlete, but again, the pick sixes killed them. I think uh, there were times where he was bailing out of clean pockets and you know, that, that weird look that, uh, or the, the different look that TCU was showing up front. Uh, I think Michigan had trouble blocking it at times. I think he, they were disguising some things that he didn't see adequately enough. What do you make of JJ's performance in a game like this? Because on one hand, it was disheartening because there were some meat left on the bone and some opportunities to win awry. And then there are other times where I go, having him throw like this with confidence while also getting in, involved in the, the run game that should be what the entire 2023 offseason looks like as you build this offense for next year. I thought he played – he was serviceable. He was serviceable in his role. I think the the second pick six was 100% his fault throwing into coverage. The first pick six, I didn't like Ronnie Bell's out route. I didn't think it was a crisp route. I don't think he got deep enough before he made his cut. I think that there were some things that they did or that we, we – our receivers did not do on that play that led to that pick six. Um but I, I thought J.J. did what he could do considering the protection was awful. That's one thing that I was really surprised at. They were not doing anything elegant or surprising when it came to what their front three or four rushers were doing. They had a couple twist games, stuff like that. But we're letting free rushers go with a four-man 
rush. And, you know, if you're a quarterback and you're in that situation, that's a losing situation right off the bat. So I, I don't necessarily think that there's uh, a ton of blame to place on J.J. McCarthy. I do think that there's a lot of blame to put towards uh, Sharon Moore and uh, Matt Weiss, offensive coordinator. Uh, all year we've had a underwhelming – We've talked about the ability to pass the ball down the field. We've talked about receivers not making plays, and it finally bit us in the ass. I mean, that's what I think happened. We actually, coming back, I was surprised at how we were able to go tit for tat and kind of uh, keep the game close in the second half because of how we were scoring. But I mean, coming down in the red zone, the Roman Wilson thing, the, the, the Roman Wilson thing to talk about that, by the way, the spot is more important than what happened with him not getting in the end zone. The pick was made at the 47 yard line. The ball was then spotted on the opposite 49 yard line. If the ball was spotted properly, that's a touchdown. He's in by three yards. So that's a bigger mistake that I want an apology for than not calling that a touchdown. But um, I just thought offensively, we, we, we lacked, we either tried to get too creative and too crazy and, and do something that was outside of our character or we were too vanilla and JJ McCarthy not being involved in the run game in the first half, I think bit us. He would have helped us a lot in the red zone. And I just feel like offensively using the weapons that we have and calling a game, I feel like our grade our for play calling offensively D D minus and to have an entire month to prepare. And that's the offensive first half that we have something needs to be examined and potentially changed regardless of winning the big 10 championship and the season that we had, because that was a glaring weakness throughout the entirety of the season. And it never got addressed and it ended up biting us. I want to talk about the, uh, and again, thank you, Jeremy, for the, the super chat guys. The queue is wide open for questions. Uh, feel free to get some in Hutch. will start the ones that uh, we'll, we'll talk about. You can use the donate feature below to uh, move yours to the front of the line. I want to talk about the officiating in this game for a second because, you know, I feel very strongly about not coming on here and being a guy that that blames referees for the way a game goes. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer, again, you know, you have a situation. Like, like, for example, you know, the Roman Wilson touchdown. Both things can be true that Michigan got screwed on that touchdown. But then when you go to, you know, think of a game at, like a game at Rutgers this year where they had four chances from the one-yard line to score and they needed all four chances, but they also held on to the football and got the job done. Um, it can both be true that you were screwed in some pretty critical moments, especially the spotting of the, the, the Rod Moore uh, interception, the Roman Wilson touchdown, the targeting at the end to me was, I still don't know what targeting is, but to me, what I saw was as textbook as it gets. Uh, now, again, you can argue that uh, maybe an illegal forward pass was um, went by the wayside there anyway. So maybe that wipes that out, but um officiating did not do did not do Michigan any favors uh, in this game. Both things can be true. Um, you know, in that regard, it was rough. Michigan got away with a few too. Uh, there was a reception. I think that Cornelius Johnson had that clearly hit the ground. Michigan savvy moved by them to snap the ball quickly and, and keep a drive going, but uh, they did not have any control over this game. And that was, I thought the officiating at times was a joke. I thought that Michigan's play calling uh, namely on offense, namely when you got into the, the red areas was a joke. I thought the the surface being as slick and as slippery as it was in this type of game with this on the line was embarrassing too. Uh, this this game was a comedy er of errors on a number of fronts, but when push come to sh came to shove, even when you made your push in the second half, you didn't make enough plays to win. And I know that people will argue they're you know, in the multiverse and 
of, of things that could have happened. If you score the Wilson Wilson touchdown, maybe the game looks completely different, uh, but you have to play the game as it was, not how you'd like it to be. It's a 60 minute game. And uh, at the end of 60 minutes, TC won because it made more plays in this game. I agree. And I mean, it comes down to me as basic as you're on the one yard line and we don't have a QB sneak in, in our arsenal. We don't, that doesn't exist. No, we're going to go to Mullings in a King offset fullback position with the fastest handoff that you can possibly try and manage. And we fumble the ball. Of course we fumble the ball because it's a horrible play design, horrible play call. It, it makes no sense. And not only do we not have the QB sneak, but the QB run game just doesn't exist which is the whole reason that we gave him the reins over top of Cade McNamara and we don't use it. And what are we saving it for? We talked all year of, well, maybe we're saving something for the Ohio state game. We don't want them to see everything. If we saved anything for this game, shame on Matt Weiss and shame on Sharon Moore and shame on Jim Harbaugh, because at, at the end of the day, the QB sneaks probably the most basic play you can possibly run. And we don't have it in our arsenal because we can, Ooh, Tom foolery trick you, get you, get you off balance no it's all bull you know what and uh we need to examine that because i don't think that this style of offense is going to be able to consistently produce the results that we got this year we were a beneficiary of a really good defense this year unfortunately in the second half of this game they let us down but that's the first time in the second half they let us down all year and you know i I just i feel like offensively we are handcuffed jj mccarthy still doesn't read the read option doesn't read the read option. I don't care what anybody says. It is a called run, and he just looks at the defensive end because there was a couple opportunities that he had to pull and go for it. And the kid is a gunslinger. I know that if he had the read, he would make the right read, but we don't let him make the read because we're going to do it from the headset. And uh, if we don't take the handcuffs off offensively, it is going to come back and bite us, and that's what happened today. Yeah, uh, this one's from uh, this one. Question's from Gerald here. He says, "Why give the ball to Mullings on first and goal from the one?" especially trying to hand off basically at the line of scrimmage that's asking for trouble. I agree, especially it's, it's been well reported. I mean, the reason not, not the reason Michigan had some other things pop up at, at both the running back and linebacker spots, but Claude Mullings was working with the running backs in the spring and ball security was something that they had circled as a uh, something that needed to improve. And then he winds up moving back to linebacker because of injuries and moves back to running back because of the injury to Blake Corum. Um, I don't know. I, I, uh, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. And and some of the play calling too, uh, it goes back to, let me rephrase this. I, this is a guys like JJ McCarthy, Donovan Edwards. This is still a young group. Make no mistake about it. Make, this team has a chance to get back here next year and learn from this. And I don't, this is not a moral victory to anyone, but at least it was a more competitive playoff game than it was last year. I've not, I'm not hanging my head at all on that at all. This is a missed opportunity. And, and to be frank, it's unacceptable given that I think that you had the better, you had the better football team uh, and TCU played better. I think that they were, um, they were probably under underrated under, I don't want to say that Michigan didn't prepare for them. TCU just played better. And, you know, when you see they run the clips before the game of, you know, guys like JJ McCarthy saying, you know, if they run that three, three, five, we're just going to, you know, bring it on. We're going to smash him in the mouth. And you, know, you talk about, you know, you hear Jim Harbaugh talk about moving on with humble hearts. And um, that's a bad look when you come out and, and perform like that. And I don't know, uh, just, just kind of a, a non sequitur there. Just that, that kind of bothers me because now that's something you have to wear going into the off season. So um, we'll move on to one from Welch's McGee here who says, 
do we need to move on from Matt Weiss to a more pass oriented coach? Uh, I mean, Matt Weiss is essentially your pass game coordinator. Uh, there, there are aspects of what he does. You know, he comes from that Baltimore Ravens uh, line of thinking where, yeah, it, it's, you know, that, that Michigan wants to win by winning up front at the line of scrimmage and then taking what the defense gives them. And I mean, I thought for portions of this game, they did an all right job with that, but um, I don't know who's responsible for those calls down in the red area, but whether it's Matt Weiss, whether it's Sharon Moore, uh, that was, let's call it what it was. It was garbage. Those were bad calls. And you're lighting a lot of those early downs, especially first and second down just on fire again, which are things I feel like you and I talked about uh, somewhere down the stretch, maybe mid season, whatever it was. Um, They took a step back there today. And that's, I mean, at the end of the day, Jake Moody kicked three field goals in this game and you lost by six points. Uh, Can't happen. I think that this is something that I'm hinting at that needs to be examined. I don't know that necessarily that I would say yes, with absolute certainty, we need to move forward, but I am of the opinion that, this is a business in college football more now than it ever has been. And your passing game coordinator, if you're going to be a top five or top 10 team, the guy that's calling the plays needs to be a top five or top 10 coordinator. And I think that there's been plenty of opportunity given to Weiss and and the passing game to show us and make an example that, that you have something that uh, makes you elite. And I see nothing. I see basic concepts. I see basic concepts run poorly today. And, you know, when you have to resort to a tunnel screen to Ronnie Bell on third and goal from the two, that's horrible. That's there's no, no, I wish I had a better vocabulary because it's worse than horrible, but, and we had not just to this game, but there were more examples that we decided to overlook throughout the season because we were winning. And I honestly think TCU losing the big 12 championship was the best thing that could have happened to them because I think it definitely changed how they prepared for this game. I I honestly think one gap in the Michigan chemistry, the Michigan makeup of the team, we don't know how to be favorites. We don't know how to wear the badge of you're supposed to be better, go in, dominate and, and take care of business against a good team. Uh, when we play against good teams, we need to be the underdog so we can go prove ourselves. But in this game, TCU absolutely played across the board with more motivation for the entirety of the game. And that's something that I don't think anyone expected, but it was very obvious as you watch this game. Uh, Teddy, Teddy Rich here with a 499 Super Chat says, man, y'all stop. We had a great year and I'm proud of this team. Now we've been twice to the college football playoff. We have to focus on national scene now and forever go blue. Um, that's fine. He's choosing to take a positive spin. Again, it's a, uh, it's a year where you won the, you won another big 10 title. You won the most games uh, in program history. I mean, no one's going to take that away from you. This hurts in perspective. I mean, I guess I want to spin his, uh, I want to spin Teddy's takeaway into this Ryan is that how do you come back from this? I mean, again, we talked, we did this show last year on this night saying that that season didn't have to be a flash in the pan. 2021 season and it wasn't you came right back you got better in almost every single area um and and lost again in the playoff but uh, competed fought to the end um you know sometimes there is a you know i think of uh there there it seems like these teams that end up winning championships they need there are those experiences that the hardships you need to go through to build that callus to push through and and show up on this stage um 
So how do you move forward from this? If you're this Michigan program, we know a lot of these guys are going to be back, going to lose some key pieces, but I mean, almost everyone who made some kind of big play in this game tonight is going to be back in this, on this team next year, especially your quarterback, your star running back. Maybe you get Blake Corum back. So what is the, you know, you look at the schedule next year, it's, it looks similar. I mean, you don't play a a non-power five in the non-conference. You've got Ohio state at home next year. So what is the path forward now? Well, I agree, Teddy, that I we had a great season, and I'm very proud of the team. And, you know, these guys have now two Big Ten championship rings, a lot of them, and uh, my my ring case is empty when it comes to Big Ten championships. So uh, big tip of the hat and kudos to them. It's just a problem when you know that you are a better team than the team you lost to uh, to make this next step. And so the, the pain is leaking into the podcast. Um, but I also would make this argument that, you know, not to use a, uh, an off off sports reference, but like if you were in Formula One, F1, and you won, you won the cup, and next year comes around, there's new rules, there's new information, there's new technology, you're not going to adjust your car. You're going to leave your car the exact same as it was last year and hope you win again. Uh, I don't think so. That's not what you do at the elite highest levels. You always reevaluate and say, where can I get better? Where can I get more efficient? And I think there are weaknesses that are staring us in the face as good and not even good. This is a great team. They didn't play well today, but it is a great team. As great as they are, there are deficiencies. And if we plan to win a bowl game at some point or win a college football playoff game at some point, we need to address the inefficiencies in the places where we're weak. And uh, it's easy to recognize them now, especially when you're upset and just lost a game that you're emotional about. But the fact of the matter still remains. There are deficiencies in our in our team that if we could address, we would be a better team. So why would we not strive to be better? Yeah. And I'm not making the one-to-one comparison here. Thank you, Teddy, for the question. We'll get to some others here. Um, You know, I look at a program like Georgia, who I think is similar to Michigan in a lot of ways. Now, obviously they're recruiting at a much higher level right now. They've kind of, in my opinion, despite what Alabama did to Kansas state earlier today, uh, or Georgia has kind of taken over as the class of college football. Now, I say that as they're trailing 7-0 to Ohio State here in the first quarter, which I'm sorry, I can't I can't, and I won't watch any more football today. I won't do it. And if Ohio State finds a way to win, as far as I'm concerned, January 9th, I have, uh, I'll go ice skating or something. I will not – I can't – I don't know if I could do that. Um, but you look at a program like Georgia, and you know there was, a, there was a callus that needed to be built with them too. Last year was the first national championship they've won under Kirby Smart. And – you know, fans don't want to hear that stuff, but, you know, two years ago, this was a Michigan team that was a was a triple overtime game away from Rutgers to losing to Rutgers, falling to whatever it was, one and four at the time. Um, you know, who knows what happens? if So, like, the steps forward have been have been notable, but that doesn't it doesn't take away from the hurt of today, especially when it is it is such a missed opportunity uh, and. You know, you 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 move on. You have a bunch of guys that are going to be back on this roster next year. And again, it's been the leadership, the upperclassmen leadership has defined where this team has gone the last two off seasons. It's got to be that way again. It's going to take a special group of, of guys again to get back and do what Michigan was able to do. So uh, let's go to one from. I like this one from Doug, uh, who says we lost this game the same way that we won every other game as a team. The offense failed in the first half. The defense failed. Missed tackles, fumbles or near fumbles, bad play calls, confusion, discipline. So, I mean, this was a – I think they had – 
I'll pull up the box score here. I think Michigan had four turnovers. I think that sounds right. Um, you know, they had only turned the ball over seven times this year coming into the game. And to have the two pick sixes, I mean, you can afford a pick sometimes. That's football. We saw JJ throw one in the Big, Tel- uh, the Big Ten championship game. Didn't really hurt Michigan all that much. So three turnovers today. Um, the, the 14 points off of that hurts. And to me, I mean, the thing that hurts the most about it, you know, if you had lost and TCU just outbattled you and it was a heavyweight fight where your guys just, uh, you know, TCU just made a few more plays, which is kind of how the game was. But to lose like that where you self you self-destruct, I think I'm just so stricken by how uncharacteristic this game was for Michigan. Uh, it's it's the red zone. It's the getting it to the one and coming away with nothing. Not even we didn't even get money moody out there, you know, to, to to get down to the one and then have TCU, which so much credit goes to the three guys that play there on their defensive line. To be honest, those guys are monsters. They, they, they really impressed me today. But for them to stand up on the goal line the way that they did and make us resort to tunnel screens, make us resort to a Philly special, make us resort to a weird handoff to Mullings. I don't know if they made us do that or if we chose, but let's go ahead and give them the credit that they forced that hand. They were fantastic. I mean, if you would have told me that, hey, the game's going to ride on if Michigan can convert on first and goal from the one consistently, I would have, you know, I would have caught the game maybe at the, at the very end just to watch the confetti fall because I had would have had no doubt that smash fest would have happened. Um, but it's a failure uh, across the board. I agree. And I'm really shocked at how we did not win in the trenches this game because we won all year and I did not expect TCU to be the ones that stood up to it. Yeah. Weird front or not. I mean, it's still, it's still football. Like uh, it's hat on a hat. It's finding a guy to get out in space and drive him, you know, four five, six yards down the field on Donovan Edwards first run of the game. That was about as well blocked as it could have been um, first play from scrimmage. I think it was what 51 yards, 54 yards, whatever it was. Um, it doesn't get any better than that. And to go down there and kind of just turn into a turn into a bunch of pumpkins in the red zone. And then the Philly special thing, that's um, it didn't make any sense to me. It, it, it's you, you'd look at these micro moments in the game that kind of swung momentum, or at least gave the other sideline, the confidence that it could hang in this game. Um, those things are critical. And I, it's, it's stunning to watch, but maybe it shouldn't be. This is how a lot of these bowl games have looked. I tweeted this, uh, there were areas of this game where it felt like uh, a 2019 type of performance where it was just a close, but no cigar type of effort. But, you know, to have the ball somehow had the ball with no timeouts and a chance to take the lead late. I mean, I guess you take your chances there and it didn't work out for them. So uh, let's see again, the queue is wide open here. Uh, a lot of the ones that have been starred are kind of, um, Here's one from J2 says, why do we always choke? I want to rephrase that to what is it about bull prep to where Michigan loses momentum, but you see schools like Alabama get their crap together and win a bowl game today. You see, um, you know, obviously the early stages of this, um, uh, Georgia, Ohio state are tied seven to seven. Those two teams came ready for a fight. So it's what, what happens um, and Ryan, you played at Michigan. I, I know you've experienced a little bit of this, but, you know what, when you guys won the sugar bowl in, in 20, 2011, what did that, 
what did that bowl or what did that lead up to the bowl week look like for you guys and the month off you had between games? You typically have a very similar format when it comes to the bowl week prep, like four weeks out that week of practice is all fundamentals. What do we do? Don't worry about our opponent. We're going to do what we do and we're going to revisit how we step in a slant, how we, you know, stem to the A gap, how we uh, run our routes, how we, what our timing is. We're just going to go back to our fundamentals. And then you spend two weeks at home. So in Ann Arbor preparing and going through like you would normal game week stuff, you go a little bit slower because you have that extended period of time. So you might spend, whereas normally you spend maybe Tuesday and Wednesday in a game week going over their formations and plays, you spend longer going over formations and plays to make sure that you can recognize what's coming. And then that last week is on site and you're just getting ready, getting healthy and, and getting ready to play fast because it's the freshest you've felt uh, since the beginning of the season. So uh, you just want to stay fast. And it has nothing to do with why we lost this game, uh, but it does matter that I think that we lost Schoonmaker, that we lost Corum. It does matter that Mike Morris, I don't think, was healthy because he didn't show up today. Uh, we weren't able to get these guys healthy enough to, to – to play at their very best. Donovan Edwards still playing with a cast on his hand. He's playing one handed. Uh, so who knows how the offensive line health wise was as bad as they played today. So uh, there's a lot of factors leading up to it, but what I would say is the definition of insanity is to repeat the same process and expect different results. Whatever is in Jim Harbaugh's manila folder on what we're going to do for bowl prep, it's time to throw that out and it's time to reconsider what we do. And, you know, there's plenty of resources that you can call upon to see what other people are doing to prepare for bowl games. But whatever is in Harbaugh's repertoire of this is what we do to prepare for bowl games, 0-6 is a very glaring in a, a deficiency. And so something that we're doing is not working. And I don't know what that is, but it's definitely time to evaluate and change something because to continue to prepare the way that we're preparing would worry me because I feel like there's something wrong in there with how we're preparing. Uh, I'm going to go to a few from Crimson Tide here who says uh, Georgia was quote unquote cursed and finally broke through. And it kind of speaks to, I mean, again, I, I grew up, I grew up a Red Wings fan. It seemed like all throughout the nineties until they finally broke through seven or eight years later. Uh, again, hope that it doesn't take Michigan that long to break through, but there's a process to learning how to be a champion. And I think sometimes because, uh, and we've seen it with Michigan basketball too, I think people take for granted how hard it is to get here, first and foremost, especially when it's just kind of an arbitrary, let's pick four teams to duke it out and see who can who can win a national title. I do think they got the four right this year, but um, it's a process. And, you know, your starting quarterback was a sophomore. Um, Don Edwards, sophomore. I mean, that doesn't excuse – the offensive line again it's kind of disheartening you've won the Joe Moore maybe 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 get rid of the Joe Moore award uh cuz you've won it two years in a row and then followed it with your two worst performances of the last two years in the games that followed it after but it does take time to learn how to win um especially when you're a program like Michigan that let's be honest is not churning out five star four and five star blue chip guys um they they will be better i i think long term they'll be better for this I think it's a missed opportunity, but it's not a closed window. I think as long as JJ McCarthy is your quarterback, as long as you've got, as long as you ride with the guys that got you there, while also adding tweaks, I think something that made this off season, uh, for example, the switch to JJ McCarthy at quarterback, uh, you know, such a different look that they could bring to improve on last year's team is that 
I felt like they were a little more flexible. If someone took away the run this year, like we saw against Ohio State, like we saw at times in this game against TCU, you're able to go the other direction. Uh, you know, coming out of the locker room in halftime in most of these games, Jesse Minner and the defense were able to make that big adjustment. Now it's it's going in the film room and see, you know, like um, think about Kobe Bryant back in the day. You know, every offseason he'd go into the he'd go in the gym and add a Texas two step to his game or something like that. You're gonna have to find something, and we don't know what that thing is yet. Uh, that that helps you come back next year stronger and a little better and, and maybe a little different. So um, another one from Crimson Tide. Uh, actually, we'll come back to that one. We have two super chats here from Thambone30 for $5 each. We'll start with the first one. It says, Michigan needs to recruit at a higher lever- level to go to the next level. Michigan outcoached and looked slow in a week. I would agree that they need to recruit a little bit better. You know what they, didn't ha- they don't have that they probably could have used today? was a Quentin Johnston type of guy. They don't have a go-to target, but again, uh, lost Luke Schoonmaker, lost Blake Horm a couple weeks ago. Um, that hurts, but uh, I think that when you look at this game, you look at roster versus roster, uh, Michigan got out coached. I think it's as simple as that. I mean, at some point we can sit here until we're red in the face and talk about, um, talk about how Michigan let one slip away, but Sonny Dykes and his coaching staff had his guys ready to roll and they were not scared of Michigan, even though I think there were some national pundits and maybe even some guys in that Michigan locker room that were trying to speak that into existence. I think they definitely got out coached. I don't know that I agree, at least in this game, that recruiting and the talent level of the players is what separated this game. Uh, I, I think that credit TCU for running a, unique defense and finding guys that fit there. Well, we made number 13, whatever his name is, Minter or not not the name, but winter, I think, but number 13 was one of their all-stars captain has a C on his Jersey and he's playing lined up at five yards at linebacker. And we left him unblocked all day, all day. And he's just shooting gaps and making plays. That's not because he's talented. That's because we made mistakes. And that I agree that we got out coached, you know, our offensive line, all year was putting hat on hat, hat on hat. And then all of a sudden this scheme comes and we leave guys that are their best players unblocked. And that is coaching. I I think recruiting wise, we could step up a little bit to be more competitive with the Georgias, the Bama's, Uh, you know, I think USC is going to be national with, with uh, Lincoln Riley there and even more so than they were this year. But um, my thing is, you get some five-star receivers. What are we going to do with them? Because our scheme isn't is not to me is not elaborate enough and not um, complex enough to to highlight a five-star receiver. Um, I just I feel like out coaching was so the the gap in coaching today was so vast that talent wouldn't have changed the outcome of the game. I think I agree with that, uh, especially in this game. Let's go to the other one from Thambone for $5. It says, if Ohio State beats Georgia and wins the national championship, this will be a terrible year for Michigan football. I disagree. I mean, it, nothing will make this a terrible year. It's one of the better teams in program history. I think you can It's. I think you can easily argue this is the best Harbaugh team, uh, even compared to last year. But uh, unfortunate if Ohio State finds a way, which, again, I TCU plays like it did tonight and Ohio state gets there again. I just don't think Ohio state has the makeup to win two college football playoff games, but who knows? I don't want to get clipped and old take exposed about that, but 
no, I, I don't think there's any scenario where this is a terrible year for Michigan football. Um, even if you'd gotten to the national title game and lost to Ohio state, it, it's not a terrible year for Michigan football. They went two and four, two years ago and didn't, didn't know how to snap a football. Couldn't complete a forward pass. Couldn't tackle. Um, this was not a terrible year for Michigan football. So I don't know. How, how do you just feel about this year in context in general now? Now that we have the whole the whole picture here, I feel great about the year. That's the unfortunate truth. The fact about the bowl games is you're either going to go out with a big win or you're going to go out with a loss, and that's loss. Just it's like someone peed in your Cheerios. You know, you, you just <clears throat> you you have such a great year and you want to put that cherry on top, but all of a sudden that cherry is, you know, a turd that someone just laid up on you, and that's that's what it feels like. That's why it feels so rough, especially when you're cons- when you're supposed to get the cherry this year, and everybody felt like that was going to happen this year, and I think that led and contributed to the first half that we saw. Michigan, as crazy as it may have sound may sound, they overlooked. TCU. They did not give them the credit that they were to, they were due. I think that comes from the coaching level down, and they were looking forward to we get to rematch with Georgia in the national championship. And unfortunately, that's a painful way to learn a lesson. But they learned a lesson that uh, there's a reason TCU was selected, just like you were selected. Yep you, you got you can only put four teams in, and, and he was one of the four. So uh, maybe hey maybe it would have been USC if they knew how to tackle. Maybe it could have been. Alabama, if they hadn't lost two games at the buzzer this year, but it is what it is. Um, that's that's what the season was. So it's a very good season, a great season, but it's not, um, you know, it's very, you know, Michigan hasn't won a national title since 1997. And before that, I think it was 1948 or something like that. So it's been elusive for this team, this program to do that. So to act like it was their destiny, that it was something that they were just going to go out and get because they said they wanted it. No, you got to come and, and, and play. You got to play a football game. And again, uh, you're going to look up at this box score, see you lost by six points and say that, you know, the refs led that to happening. You're going to say that the turnovers led that to happening. The fact of the matter was it was a team loss. It was a program loss, coaching staff all the way on down. And now it's incumbent on them to find out how, ways to make it get better. So uh, we're going to take, I think, two more here, unless anyone jumps in with a super chat. Um, we'll go to this one from Thomas first. It's a quick hitter. Uh, is Blake Horm coming back to Michigan next season? I think that's to be determined. I think right now it's probably about 50 50. Um, we'll probably, we're probably very close to a decision now. I think the guys have until January 18th to make the final call whether they're in the draft or not. So we're going to get, I assume we're going to get more guys that hit the transfer portal now that the season's over. We're going to get NFL decisions. Um, my gut says he probably goes, but we'll see. Tonight was a night where they really did miss Blake Corum because what Blake is so good at and what Donovan Edwards is, has not learned to do yet is to turn you know, one yard into three or four yards. And they missed that type of back on the goal. I mean, Blake Corum was getting goal line carries all year. Never saw him. I, I, don't, I can't recall a time I saw him fumble on the goal line. Um, tonight was probably the night where they've, they've felt him the most, which is kind of surprising given that, uh, given the Ohio state game and, and, you know, it really took three games for you to feel that, but, um, if they would get him back, if they can get him back and he's healthy, that's a coup for them. But I don't know that I'm, I'm counting on that right now. What, what do you make about, I mean, could a Blake Horm have changed the trajectory of this game for Michigan? 
I would like to think so. I think it changes the play calling, or at least I hope it would change the play calling. But again, I found the play calling to be abysmal in the red zone. So anything would have been better than what we did today. Uh, so uh, I just, I think that if you have Blake Corum, your decision gets a little bit easier. First and 10 or first and goal, we're going to give it to him and see what happens, you know, and then go from there. But uh, I still am bothered by the fact that we don't have a quarterback sneak. We don't have, you know, that QB power that we ran finally in third quarter. Where was that in the red zone? J.J. Uh, McCarthy doesn't get to read the actual zone read, which high school kids are given the, the green light to read a zone read. And uh, it, it quorum could have made an impact, but at the end of the day, I still feel like we are victims of what's coming through the headset when we get into the red zone. And whoever's making those calls, there needs to be an evaluation. I agree. Uh, Super chat here from Lori O for $20 asks, sorry if this is already discussed, is Roman Wilson coming back? Uh, To my knowledge, I think that's the plan right now. Uh, Was Michigan's, I think you can argue he was one of their better wide receivers in this game. Five catches, 104 yards, um, one touchdown, should have had two. Um, He's a junior. I haven't really seen him. You know, this is the first game where he really had big production since, I think since the Maryland game uh, was his last was his last touchdown before tonight. So I think that he has a good. Ch- I mean, I, I would think he's going to come back. I don't know that he's a guy that's going to test the NFL waters, but I know if he comes back, I mean, he's to me um, probably Michigan's undisputed number one because Ronnie Bell's going to the NFL. We'll see what happens with Cornelius Johnson, but um, you know, you're gonna. I think that Roman Wilson. This was a you look for silver linings in this game. I think this this was a good night for him. And he's a guy that I think with a big off season could be someone who takes that leap next year. So Lori, as far as I know, I mean, unless something changes and uh, you know, he wants to go somewhere else, I, I would assume he's still back here next year. So uh, appreciate the uh, super chat there, Lori. I think we're going to take this. We'll, we'll take this one and then probably get out of here. This one's from Richie. He says, where was the U of M pass rush? Let me check the numbers tonight. They only had one sack, and it came from Makari Page. Uh, I thought there were times where they were just barely missed by a fingertip. You know, Michigan had to bring pressure on Max Duggan, but <coughs> those guys' defensive line in general just didn't didn't play well. There was the play where I think it might have been a third down, but Mozzie Smith looked like he had a shot at Duggan in the backfield and then kind of backs off of him like he was going to try and defend a screen pass or something. I don't know if you recall that player, what happened there, but um, trenches in general, uh, by far worst performance of the season and the pass rush being a no show. Um, yeah. That's something going to this off season that needs to improve greatly. I agree. It, it was the fact that TCU's defensive line was more of a factor in this game than Michigan's defensive line and vice versa. TCU's offensive line and Michigan's offensive line, you know, TCU's offensive line was able to keep Max Dugan comfortable, very comfortable. And, you know, I, I think we have the guys that should be able to get after the quarterback, but them running three and four man rushes and making JJ sprint all over the place is an embarrassment for our offensive line, especially coming off of winning the best offensive line in the country award. Uh, Mason Graham didn't play well. Uh, he got, he got beat a lot. Braden McGregor didn't see, show up. Oki, you never saw. Mike Morris didn't look like himself. Um, we've discussed throughout this season that the the pass rush every now and again just disappears. And I think that led to Jesse Minter coming up with six and seven man pressures and Max Dugan 
just so calmly and nonchalantly just backs off slowly and lets his crosser make it. And uh, it's it's got to be frustrating. And I think it was those blitzes were called out of frustration that we could not move Dugan off his spot the whole game. And uh, it's one of those areas that we've talked about that, yes, we had a great season, but we have some deficiencies and uh, pass rush was non-existent today. I think that's a good place to end it. I mean, I don't know how to, uh, I don't know where else to take it. I mean, a, a sad, a sad day. Uh, if you're a Michigan fan, I think you have, there, there are certainly things to be proud of, but I think you've earned the right to stew in this one for a little bit, especially we'll see what happens with, uh, with Georgia and Ohio state here, but I guess not. Okay. We have one more, one more super chat. Uh, Mr. Act like it for $10 says Harbaugh will need an off season like 2020s. Take a hard look at how to get to the next level. I think I agree with that. Um, you know, in the coming days and weeks, as we kind of put a bow on what this season looks like and do some of the post-mortem stuff, um, you know, well, I will, they'll identify those areas that need to improve, but I mean, just the snap judgments here, I think your wide receivers consistently need to be better at creating separation. Um, you know, they can't just be, they can't just be blockers. I know that's, that's football pornography to Jim Harbaugh to have, you know, 10 blockers on the field at one time, but um, I think you need to be a little more explosive there. I think that your pass rush needs to be more consistent. Uh, it was great that they were able to rotate guys in and out throughout the year, kind of like hockey lines. But, um, you know, last year, guys like David Ojabo and Aiden Hutchinson were, were non-negotiable type of players. You knew that when they were on the field, except in that Georgia game, but you knew when they were on the field, you had a chance to generate consistent pressure. And it didn't happen consistently enough. Um, and I think for from there, it's just, it's about your young guys in this 2021 and 2022 uh, recruiting classes that they brought in to just get bigger, stronger, um, and and you know step into bigger roles. I mean, they can Michigan can be back right back here next year. I don't know that anything requires an overhaul. I don't know that anything I saw this year was a glaring deficiency, but um, the man himself says it. If you want to get better at something, you just got to try a little bit harder, work a little harder at it. So. Um, there are things that need to be addressed, but um, yeah, I mean, we, we've addressed some of those things we think they are, but yeah. I mean, what do you think about, I mean, this off, this off season coming up, I mean, if you're the guy, you know, you get off the flight from, from Arizona, get to take a couple of days to kind of sit in this, but if you're sitting in the big chair, Ryan, what's priority number one for you as you turn the page to 2023. Scoring in the red zone, touchdowns in the red zone. Uh, it's something that I think has plagued not just this team, but other Harbaugh teams. And uh, it's something that I know isn't easy to just go out and do. But at the same time, when it's consistently coming and biting you, you've got to find a way to address it. And part of that, I think, is personnel. We need a guy that is a go-get-it type receiver um, in the red zone that we can throw a jump ball to and feel confident with. Uh, so we do need – I think to recruit that position and I think we are and have recruited that position. They're just young. Uh, so we'll see how they develop. And then on defense, the defensive line and pass rush, we just need to get more consistent. You know, I, I've complained in years past that we don't have the size. We have the size now, you know, Mozzie, um, we have uh, the freshman that was playing a lot. Kenneth Grant, uh, Mason Graham, I think is going to be a good one, but uh we need to be able to consistently pressure quarterbacks with three or four to be great and to be elite. And we're just not there yet. But um, 
there is a lot to be excited about and, and there's a lot of things going right. But I think to take that next step, those are a couple of the things that we need to look at and, and find ways to get better. $5 chat here from Richie Valens. The last call for anyone here. Um, if you want to get yourself in the queue, feel free to use the donate feature. If not, Richie's going to close us out. Uh, did Coach Osborne make that much of a difference which, with Michigan's edge rushers versus what Coach, Coach Elston is doing this year? Um, no, Mike Elston is as qualified to coach Michigan's defensive line um, as any guy in the country. Uh, he's got a track record of doing that at Notre Dame. Um, guy that worked under Brian Kelly for a long time. You know why their pass rush wasn't as good this year? Because their pass rushers weren't as good this year. I think it's kind of – it's kind of is what it is. And going into this off season, depending on who comes back, um, I think there's a good chance your best pass rushers next year are a uh, sixth year Iabi Oki, uh, who would have a full off season with Michigan. If he doesn't decide to return and Derek Moore, who I think is in for a huge leap as a sophomore. I think that's a guy who's, who's going to be a fixture, but uh, you know, they were able to piece it together and they did a good job with that. Mike Morris, played his rear end off when he was healthy, but I think the, the edge rusher there being an edge rusher drop off this year was because you didn't have two first round caliber edge rushers. I think to me, it's as simple as that. I agree with you. And I also think that there's some blame to be shouldered by the defensive tackle position. We've got great defensive tackles when it comes to the run game, but Mozzie Smith is not a good pass rusher. I don't know if anyone, if that's a surprise to anybody, but he's just not a good pass rusher. He doesn't, he doesn't work half a man or it, with his size, he should be able to just bull people into the laps of quarterbacks. And you just didn't see that. Uh, that's why Mason Graham got so much time this year. And uh, as much as I like Chris Jenkins, I don't think he does too well at the three technique. You know, you have to get pass rush from more than just your edges. Cause if it's just your edges, quarterbacks can step up. And I, I do think our, edges could have been better this year but as a unit as a pass rush unit the defensive tackle position has got to improve and we have to see something generated from the defensive tackle position because I have no idea where we're at statistically but I know it's a low number how many sacks do our defensive tackles have attributed to them in 2022 not many so um, I do think it's a personnel thing we don't have Ojabo and Hutchinson like we did last year but at the same time they got it done with the defensive tackles that we have. And and I just think that overall pass rush from the defensive tackle, defensive end position is going to be critical to improve if this team's going to make a return trip here or even go beyond where they went this year. All right. Well, I think this is a good place to, uh, to pack it up. I think this has actually probably been the longest post game we've done this year, but a lot to sort through, obviously, uh, objectively speaking, one of the all-time great college football playoff games. but And as I close it out, we have another Super Chat uh, from uh, Love Life for four ninety nine. He says, I think the two bad referee calls cost TC to win. I wonder what Jim, the coach, feels about these calls, the touchdown reversed and targeting. Listen, I mean, I, I'm happy to speak a couple more minutes on it because you paid the money, but honestly, I, I uh, it's all part of the stew, right? And it's all part of the football game. Uh, you don't want to put yourself in a position – to let the officiating dictate your chances of winning a football game. Uh, that doesn't make the calls any less hurtful. It doesn't make them any less consequential, but again, and I don't, because both things can be true when you have an opportunity to even if the consolation prize to having a touchdown overturned is that you have four chances from the one yard line, you need to find a way to score from the one yard line. Uh, you can't fumble the football. You can't, you can't, 
make the mistake that snowballs and makes those official, you know, those decisions or those flags or overturns that much more consequential on the game. So we're going to hear it all off season. I'm sure this will be something right along in the vein of JT was short and some of the other controversies from over the years. I honestly, uh, Personally, I don't want to have that conversation because I think this team left a lot of other opportunities on the field. So uh, thank you for the super chat. I think I'm going to put my foot down here and, and close it out for us. Uh, we appreciate all you guys for your support throughout this season. I want to thank our friends over at Lewis Jewelers as always uh, for being a sponsor of us, also a sponsor of Michigan Athletics. Keith and his team over there are uh, the folks who help those in Ann Arbor get engaged. So uh, keep supporting them. Uh, we're going to, you know, we'll, well, there's a lot to sort through now um, with the football team. Uh, some some NFL decisions coming. We'll put a bow on this season. Ryan, uh, as always, thank you. Uh, one of the MVPs of our season, as always, for coming on here and doing these post-game shows with us. Uh, maybe we can catch up in a little bit and, and kind of do a proper roundtable or post-mortem on what this season was. But, um I appreciate all you guys. Uh, it's been a fun year. It's been one of the better years. Uh, and there's only one team that's going to be on the top at the end. And unfortunately this year it won't be Michigan, but the window is wide open. So be sure to leave a like on the video below, subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, leave us a positive review on wherever you get your shows, Apple iTunes. Uh, you can listen to this after the fact in any of those feeds, Apple, Spotify, Google, what have you, um, that's it for us. Appreciate you guys. Uh, we'll be back in 2023 stronger than ever. So thanks again. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. 
N Y or text Hope N Y in New York.